Hi, this is Tony Mormino with Insight Partners, and we are an HVAC rep firm located in the Southeast United States. And welcome to the Engineers HVAC podcast, where we work to give back to the engineering community by sharing our HVAC application and design experience. To follow is a recording of a live event we did back in August, where I was joined by three very special industry experts as we discussed the five myths surrounding fan arrays. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you enjoy. All right, so this is the beginning of the actual presentation. So five uh, myths surrounding uh, fan arrays. We're going to go ahead and get started with that. So a myth is a widely held but false belief or idea. And I have to say that is the absolute worst costume of a Bigfoot guy I've ever seen. I'd be more scared to see that than the real Bigfoot. Like, that's how creepy that thing is. It's not. It's not. It's so bad I had to show it. I thought it would be kind of funny. But anyway, so we all know what a myth is. I'm not going to have to give you a much more of a myth lesson. But um, so what we're talking about today is fan arrays. Um, some common terms used is a brand name called Fan Wall. Um, they are basically a grid of fans built up by these little boxes, which are referred to as fan cubes or fan cells, etc. Um, anybody else want to chime in on some other common definitions, history, or anything like that regarding the product? No, I, you know, fan arrays is probably the most common term used uh, for um, for what we're going to talk about today. Okay, sounds good to me. Okay, so our hope is like if you're a consulting engineer or you're a design build contractor or you're just a mechanical contractor in general, um, that you leave here with another tool in your in your tool belt. I put engineering tool belt because most of our viewers are engineers, but even if you're a contractor in design build, hopefully it leaves here with some tips on when you should look at using FanWall and when you should probably not look at using a, a fan array type product. So uh, we'll get into some more details here. Okay, so we're going to talk about myth number one. Uh, fewer fans are better. We'll talk a little bit about that. Myth number two, there's no advantage in retrofit applications. Uh, myth number three, you can't run fans over 60 hertz, something we hear quite often. Then we're going to sprinkle in a, for one of two case studies on Avera St. Luke's Hospital. Uh, myth number four, air will short circuit with fan failure. Um, another case study on the Carolinas Medical Center in Charlotte, which is kind of exciting because we have a lot of customers in Charlotte and Mark uh, Murray's in Charlotte right now. So, um, and three foot door required for installation. That's another thing we're going to talk a little bit about as we go through here. Okay. So I'm going to kick it over to Mark Brady. He's going to handle the first couple myths. So, um, take it away, Mark. Yeah. I think Tony. Yeah. So myth number one here, we got uh, fewer fans are better. That's kind of a common misconception um, between some people. So, you know, the fan array, fan wall system uh, has a lot of benefits kind of inherently built in. And we'll touch on a few of these. Uh, but basically, you can get uh, more energy efficiency, better reliability, maintenance, uh, reduce your footprint, uh, increase your air volume, decrease sound and vibration. Uh, there's a lot of control options, you know, specific to your needs. Um, you can get your higher pressure units um, and then meet some codes and standards, uh, lead certification. Everybody knows energy efficiency is, is key these days. So we'll, we'll touch on a few of these um, in the next couple slides um, on some of these benefits. So, you know, um, you know, I think one uh, an a common answer to how many fans or fewer fans 
is it depends. You know, uh, Tony, if you were to go back to that list, um, it it um, depends on what your your design criteria are. You know, it's it's hard to um, meet each of these listed, but uh, sometimes less fans are. Uh, will allow you to meet whatever goal, whether it's energy efficiency, budget, size, reliability, and sometimes more fans are needed to hit some of these uh, goals. So, uh, you know, the, the the easy answer is it depends, and and we're going to talk a little bit of of uh, uh, how each of these impact uh, the the performance um, on jobs going forward. Yeah, great point, Bruce. Uh, you know, the, the good thing about fan wall and these fan array systems, there's so much flexibility and options, um, you know, depending on what your needs are. You know, we have options to meet those. So um, let's talk about efficiency real, real quick. Um, so you can see here, we've got a picture here with, with a fan array system versus, you know, a traditional uh, direct drive plenum fan. Um, so one thing that fan arrays allow is a lot of flexibility with control options, uh, especially in DAV applications, um, where you have a lot more um, opportunity to turn up and down fans depending on building load and conditions. Um, and with certain control options, uh, even turning on and off fans uh, to keep those fans running in their peak efficiency. So, you know, that's the name of the game, right? Keeping keeping a efficient fan um, conditions and, and saving energy loads um, versus more traditional type fan systems. Um, so kind of to Bruce's point, depending on what your conditions are, what your requirements are, um, there's there's multiple options that we can use to try to meet those options. And, you know, I, um, I, I think um, it, the, the smaller fans in a fan array are more conducive to, you know, uh, uh, of um, uh, running them at their highest efficiency. You know, that that large uh, plenum fan you saw on the right in the previous slide, it's more difficult to um, to run that at its peak efficiency at part load, where it's going to be running usually uh, most, most of the time. So uh, there's nothing that saves energy more than shutting off a fan. And if that allows the other fans to run at their higher, at a higher efficiency, uh, you can save some. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the great benefits of having a fan wall, fan array system is reducing system effect. Um, so you can see the illustration on the screen. There's a couple of, you have a DWDI housed fan, which was a typical traditional type fan. Um, in, this, in the middle piece there, you have a what we would call a plenum fan, plug fan. Um, and then we have our fan wall, fan array system on the lower section. So, you know, what we call there, you can see you're going to have a hot spot. So DWDI fan has a really high velocity exiting um, the fan system. So you can see there where a majority of that air velocity is going to uh, press out. Um, also, you have to bring in the air on each side of the fan. And similarly, on the plenum fan, it discharges, you know, off the edge of that fan. So the top and bottom is where you get a lot of your uh, velocity uh, coming off of that fan. Um, and you can see on the bottom slide there, um, the fan wall has pretty much a direct even airflow there. And we like to call that a, a piston of air. Um, you know, an even profile. Um, and so what that allows you, it, it gives you a lot of benefits. You can see below, just if you look at the illustrations, the footprint difference. Um, so it allows you to reduce your footprint, um, giving you a much more even air profile, um, not only on the discharge, but also on the intake um, of that fan. And so what that does for you, it, it allows you to have much higher efficiency, not just on your fans, but also your other components. Um, so we all know, you know, coils, uh, even airflow is good for 
even temperature distribution. Um, so it kind of helps prevent laminar flow as well as, you know, giving your best coil performance. And then typically filters, you got filters on the intake and discharge sides. A lot of times you have pre-filters, final filters, depending on your application. Um, and that even air profile is going to give you longer filter life. Um, you can see in the top two illustrations where you would have, you know, filter loading, you know, at the top and at the top and bottom, reducing the filter life. Same thing for other internal components, specifically coils. Um, so that even, that even piston of air is what we like to describe is it helps obviously the reduce your system effect in your unit, making it more efficient. Right. And we've got some really good questions here. Why don't we see if we can answer a few of these? So Jennifer Leach says fewer fans, quote unquote, fewer fans are cheaper is the comment we hear most from contractors. How do you find the quote unquote sweet spot? Yeah, so good question. Yeah, good mm -hmm. question, Jennifer. And again, it kind of depends on your design. Uh, fewer fans isn't always cheaper. A lot of times, um, like I mentioned, we can reduce footprint when we have smaller fans. So a lot of times we're gaining uh, multiple feet in length. Um, and then depending on your application, if you're sound sensitive, sometimes we can remove attenuation, etc. cetera, um, whether it's replacement unit or new construction. Um, again, it kind of depends on your application. Um, and we also, you know, yeah. you know, those things in combination with, with other design characteristics, uh, different motor options. A lot of times we're allowed to reduce the, the connected brake horsepower so we can save on your electrical load side as well um, in multiple cases. So just a few things to add there. Yeah, in my experience, it takes a lot of budgets and a lot of repricing by not just us, but the contractor as well to see what the sweet spot is. Great question. Thank you, Jennifer. And please keep them coming. Um, Tom Morris. Uh, hey, Tom, how are you? One of my old customers down in, in Jacksonville. How do you keep fans? Great question. How do you keep fans at peak efficiency? Is there software available to make this happen? Yeah. So um, again, we have multiple control options. Um, that's that's kind of a deeper question. Um, so we definitely do have in-house software that can do that with with Nortec, um, and we can dive into that. I think we've got some some cases coming up, Tony, with you, where we're going to get more involved in you know manufacturing specific options. But yes, we do. So yes, we do, and more to follow. I yeah, gotcha. it, it, and there's you know really, I mean. Uh, as I said earlier, nothing saves energy more than sh shutting off a fan. So if you have a 15-fan array and uh, controls um, can be um, developed or are available out there um, uh, in, in abundance to, uh, uh, you know, figure out how many fans are needed um, to um, uh, to, to satisfy the set points, the static pressure, um, and... and um, uh, also keep the fans in their sweet spot. So it, it, it oftentimes is software uh, driven, smart, smart controls um, to, to figure that out. We call it system optimization um, to, to figure out, you know, what's the right combination. Great. Okay. We got a few more questions, but I think they're more applicable to one of the other myths. So uh, please keep the questions coming. We'll hit them all as we go along. So. Yeah, thanks, Tony. So, guys, um, just kind of talking about system effect again here, we've got a couple of illustrations here. Um, so on the left, we've got a conventional fan. You can see the airflow coming off the wheel. Um, you get the hot spots, you know, at the top and bottom of the wheel. And then on the right, you can see that we've got a fan array system here. So you can see where we get a much more even air profile on the intake and discharge side. Um, so you can see on both 
both sides of the fan there where you have much more even air profile. And again, that just helps everything inside the unit. It helps distribute the airflow um, evenly across all components um, in the in the box. So. Yeah, and I think as as we was putting this together, it was remind I was reminded that you know the filter banks, the airflow monitors, the cooling coil. It's all designed to be have a full piston of air across it. It's not designed to have these hot spots, right? That's so, correct. That's correct. You know, and on on uh, existing jobs, when you open up the unit and you see round you know, uh, of um, circles on the filter bank or even on the coils from dust and dirt. It's an indication you're not using that full tunnel. And, you know, people spend a lot of money on those coils and filters, you know, to to achieve their results. And why not use uh, the all the surface area you have available? And, that, you know, fan arrays tend to provide that, that, that piston of airflow. Yeah, again, so here's another um, example here of the the hot spot, what we would call it. So you can see again uh, on the top, there's a more of a traditional style fan um, starting out from 48 inches upstream of the fan down to 12 inches upstream of the fan. You can see how that velocity increases in the center of that fan, which makes sense. Um, adversely, you can see a fan array, fan wall system here. You know, even at 12 inches up, upstream of your fan, you're getting very good, even air profile across that. So um, again, as we kind of touched on a couple of times before, it helps, you know, component efficiency, um, overall efficiency of your unit there. And it also allows you to, you know, have reduced um, footprint. You know, basically you need access to service the fan uh, versus, you know, three or four feet in, in other cases. So another big benefit of fan wall here, and we'll transition here, is redundancy. So you can see multiple fans allow you to build in redundancy, whether that's... Um, something that's required in your design or not. Um, you know, all these fan systems have the ability to uh, ramp up. So if you do lose a fan um, with the control systems today, you're able to ramp up um, and at least keep partial CFM and static, if not 100%. Um, and again, depending on your design, we can certainly design in um, N-1 or two conditions where you're losing fans um, and still be able to be 100% airflow and static with, within your design. Okay. Um, so serviceability, I like this slide. You can see, uh, you can see on the right here a large uh, plenum fan with uh, I don't know somewhere around a seventy-five or hundred horsepower motor, um, and so that you know that motor is going to weigh anywhere from eight hundred pounds to a thousand pounds. And you see on the left, so most fan, you know, we, we say fan sales, fan arrays. Most of these, the entire cubes can be brought in by by two guys. Um, most of the motor and fan combinations weigh you know one hundred to one hundred fifty pounds. Um, with, uh, with multiple options for service. Um, so it's much easier to handle, much easier to maintain. Um, also note, you know, we're direct drive with sealed bearings. Um, so no belts and shivs um, and bearings to lube as you would have on the right. So so what is the gentleman's name on the right trying to pick up that motor? <laughs> so that's John Habel. Um, used to be with Nortec Air Solutions, now with Tom Barrow Company. Uh, but you can see he's really giving it his all there. So he, he went all out. <laughs> I wonder if he knew he was going to be live on YouTube and LinkedIn with that picture. So anyway, okay. So uh, myth number two. <laughs> uh, he'll get a copyright credit for that one, right? That's right. <laughs> uh, so myth number two here, guys, we'll jump right in here. No advantage in retrofit applications. So one thing not everyone is aware of is these fan wall systems, fan array systems can be used in um, retrofit applications. Um, so we see it all the time here where you want to upgrade a unit. Um, in this case here, we're going to video here in, a, in an old Hilton um, building here where they had a large 
built up unit with these large vein axial fans. So you can see here in this video, um, these guys are going to town cutting out these vein axial fans. Um, I'm sure they're having a good time here um, tearing stuff out. That's probably always the easy part, right? Uh, but you can see these large vein axial fans. I'm not sure what the size of these are, but you know this thing weighs you know well over a thousand pounds, and they're they're cutting away at it. Um, this very tight space space here in the basement. The only way to get it out is to chop it up in pieces. Um, so you can see here they're cutting away, putting in some access here. Um, we're gonna we're gonna fan wall system they're gonna put in, um, which you're gonna see here in just a minute. But you can see this the sheer size of this thing. Um, you can imagine how loud that thing is when it's running probably sounds like a jet engine down there in the basement um you can see they're chopping this thing up with with cutting torches and etc here and so you got an opening here they're going to bring in um fan cubes here in a minute on a fan wall array system um so one thing to note here um they started this cut this cutting out um at about 8 a.m and they were finished installing these cubes by 10 a.m so it only took them two hours um, but you can see here we've got our fan cubes um, and our fan wall system going in, they fit the space. We can design these to fit exactly the space you need. Uh, but you can see here three or four guys bringing all these cubes in. I think on the illustration previously, there was four guys just moving the motor. Uh, but you can see there, we, we got a remote uh, panel for controls um, that tie into these. Um, it allows them, I know in this, in this application specifically, it allowed them to go to a VAV application, which saved them um, a ton on electricity costs. Um, it also allowed them with replacement coils to increase um, the capacity of this, this unit overall. Um, so this retrofit build out for, in this particular case, saved them from having to put in four new rooftop units. So um, overall it saved them a ton mm. of money um, as well as, you know, making it more efficient, um, allowing VAV application, et cetera. Um, so you said 8 a.m. to 10 a.m.? Yeah, it took them two hours wow. to get this thing out um, and put these That's cubes impressive. in. So. Okay. How was that for that video, Mark? Do we look at any more of that or is that go to the next one? Yeah, I think we're good. We can keep moving okay. here. Um, right. so, so myth number three, and I'll tie on that last video. So um, they actually were running those fans at 89 hertz. Um, so another common myth we have is you can't run fans over 60 hertz. Um, but with today's um, with today's motor manufacturers and with all the VFD and control options, um, our major motor manufacturers rate their motors up to 120 hertz operation and up to 3600 RPM. So um, with the multiple control options, especially with VFDs and then specific um, manufacturing options, you can you can run these um, fans well over 90 hertz without any issues. No detriment to the motors does not affect motor warranty. Um, everything stays intact. And that, that again, gives you more flexibility on your design, uh, depending on what you're looking at doing. So, uh, again, multiple fan and motor combinations. Um, our major motor manufacturers have multiple horsepower sizes. We have incremental horsepower um, options as well that really allow you to dial in a connected brake horsepower. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really important on unit design, um, especially for lead and, and higher efficiency requirements, but also on retrofit applications if you're trying to meet a certain amp requirement that's already existing. Um, there's really a lot of options here available to give you what you need as far as the amp output and, and brake horsepower rating. You know, gotcha. uh, one additional point, um, you know, what... what um, you know, allowed the motor manufacturer to feel comfortable, um, you know, in, in increasing the, the Hertz 
uh, in these type of applications is the air over the, the motor. You know, the cube uh, configuration uh, directs more of the airflow over the motor for cooling. So they operate in a, in a cooler environment, uh, which, which the motor manufacturers endorse as a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. So, yep. okay, so quick, we got a couple, we got a bunch of great questions. And again, please keep them coming. We'll love to answer your questions. We'll, we'll get to them uh, at some point or at the end. So uh, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing this name right. Giatano, I believe, is how it's pronounced. Uh, can you comment on underspeeding fans below 60 hertz? Does this derate the motors? Many reps like to select way below 60 hertz. Any comments on that? Yeah, one quick comment I have. So typically, um, a motor manufacturer will allow you under speeding the motor down to about 15 hertz before it would actually damage the motor. So it definitely would derate the rating, but also when you're turning down, your CFM and static is also going to go down. So your brake horsepower requirement is going to go down as well. But uh, typically, a good rule of thumb is, is to stay above 20 hertz if you can. Okay, thank you. Uh, Hugh Tanner is asking, with the DOE... Getting into FEG, how is uh, is best? To, how is it best to speak to this when they've done uh, what they've done? Seems to speak to the part load discussion. Do we need some clarification on that question? I'm not sure. I yeah. Again, that has to do with energy efficiency. I know there's some changes coming. To be honest with you, I, I don't know exactly what all that entails. Okay, Hugh, stick around. We'll try and make sure we get a little more deep in that at the end. Um, Okay, what size is the largest motor that um, two techs can reasonably handle? Do you know? I guess it would depend on the location where it's at. And yeah, it certainly depends. You know, our, our motor and fan combinations um, are typically going to weigh anywhere from, you know, 80 pounds to maybe 170 pounds, roughly. Um, and so it kind of depends on what, what's available for them. You know, if they're using a dolly, if they have a lift, um, you know, there's a lot of times air units will have motor rails, et cetera, for you to, for you to lift with, with a chain hoist, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So typically we would say two people can, can usually um, change out a motor um, fairly easily. Okay. Um, Rodrigo uh, asks this question, what are serviceability options for critical applications where you have redundancy because you can't easily schedule shutdown? Any way to service a single fan from the side? Um, speak to that. And I don't know, I think this unit in the picture here was a critical application as well. So I don't know if that plays into that photo or not, but anyway. Yeah, again, so depending on your codes, um, you know, some electrical codes are not going to let you work inside of uh, an operating unit. Um, so in, I've seen us do different types of designs where we have um, multiple air tunnels so you could shut down a left or right air tunnel um, and still maintain airflow and get into one side of the unit. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as the system, if, if it was something where we could design, you know, where you could lose multiple fans and, and keep running 100%, then you can schedule a shutdown, you know, in the future. Um, so that's a couple different ways you could attack that of what we've mm -hmm. seen. Yeah, so you can theoretically shut down one of the tunnels and go in the other one and work on it. Correct. That way, okay. Okay, um, John says installed number of retrofit upgrades in Biopharma with huge success, cut energy and by 40-50% remove the attenuators. It's funny, we're going to talk about an example on that. Um, okay, why don't we go to the next 
section here. Um, I think we've hit the overspeeding thing, and then we'll ask a few more, answer a few more questions in a minute. So, thank you, Mark Brady, for the first three minutes, and we're going to kick it over to Bruce Anderson, who's going to talk about a case study at Avera St. Luke's Hospital in Aberdeen, South Dakota. So, take it away, Bruce. Thanks, uh, Tony, and thanks, uh, Mark. Uh, yes, I have the pleasure of uh, speaking to uh, a retrofit job of an air handler at this uh, location in Aberdeen. Uh, don't forget to stop at the Corn Palace in Mitchell, South Dakota, when uh, <laughs> traveling in South Dakota. Um, but um, yeah, it, it uh, this is a kind of a unique case study because it not only addresses the benefits of uh, a multiple fan array. Um, but it also um, talks through one of the benefits of the smaller footprint uh, required by a fan array freed up space within the unit to allow them to reconfigure it. You know, the issue in this job, um, it was about a 20,000 CFM uh, air handler um, serving a critical uh, space, uh, same day surgery. And we all know, you know, you, you shut down that air handler, you, you lose a lot of revenue. Um, and, and so... Um, one of the uh, issues they had with this unit that had been operating 16 years is during uh, high humidity situations, they had moisture carryover in this in the original blow-through unit, and the moisture was uh, uh, waterlogging the final filters. The water was dripping down the discharge ductwork and eventually into the ceiling um, of the operating space uh, below, and it also created a terrible smell, uh, according to the occupant. Um, so they were looking at how to rectify this, and so by... Uh, um, using the a four fan array um, in this case, uh, they were able and, and they were able to free up space to move it from a blow through to a draw through uh, configuration. Um, so the top is the original configuration, and the blue uh, rectangles are the cooling coils. And then you can see at the bottom they were able to set them back and and uh, put the fans in the place of where the cooling coils originally were and you know there was even enough space freed up inside this unit that they were able to put an air blender upstream to help in the mixing of the outside air and the return air before um, entering the humidif humidification uh, section so there's really two big uh, benefits here and um, you know able to work within the same uh, casing of a unit that had been operating almost 17 years. Maybe we, we can go to the next uh, slide or kind of talk through the the video. So again, uh, changing out the single uh, 30 horsepower, 30 inch wheel uh, uh, blow through unit to a uh, draw through uh, configuration at the bottom uh, were the were the two main things in this uh, in this retrofit. And um, the um, and to do it, you know, over a short weekend, um, we, we started at uh, Friday at uh, I think 5:15, and they actually had the fans in place uh, by 9 a.m. the next morning. Uh, that went uh, very fast, and most of the time um, for this retrofit was just uh, moving the cooling and heating section uh, back and, um, and repiping it. So, uh, you know, uh, with all these retrofits and, you know, I mean, we've, we've been, uh, the, the industry has been dealing with this for many, many years. So, uh, you know, they know the project management is critical of getting this done, uh, 
very quickly and minimizing uh, the downtime uh, for the hospital. So they they didn't have any surgery scheduled that weekend. So they started Friday. The goal was originally to end by uh, Monday noon, and uh, they ended uh, Sunday by um, noon. So that's a 16-year-old air handler. Um, still, you know, it, it speaks to the the quality construction of a of a custom. Um, air handler in that, you know, uh, the frame uh, and many of the components were still good. That's showing the 30 horsepower motor that was put into stock for other air handlers. And then the rest of it scrapped. Um, and then, uh, you know, they, they had to relocate uh, the cooling and heating coils back in the unit to, to put them in a draw through in uh, type of configuration. Um, they had to uh, put a plate on the bottom uh, for the support of um, well the new the new fans going in and and they were able to use uh, the existing drain uh, pan and the existing coils you know after 17 years um, with, with great maintenance um, you know to bring in the fans they brought them in through the ambulance uh, entrance to the hospital easily what, what's so great about these cubes is they're small enough to fit down hallways and elevators and for several people um, you know to to put them in place um, so that that part goes very quickly in and uh, putting it in a four fan configuration, and um, then they they put some uh, insulation uh, around each uh, cube to create kind of a uh, well to help in um, acoustics, um, and um, and it, but you, you didn't need uh, attenuators downstream or upstream, uh, which had much more um, pressure drop. Um, as I said, you know, the coils uh, were still good after uh, 17 years, and so they reused them, just repositioning them. They repurposed uh, the panels uh, on the unit um, uh, in the new co configuration and then um, had to do some alteration of, of the frame of the doors uh, uh, to allow access. Um, you know, as Mark said, the amount of space you need upstream, downstream is really uh, based on, you know, how much space you need to service you know a big guy like me might need a little more width in there small guy like mark might need a little bit smaller area but it's it's you know uh, today it's less dictated by getting a piston of air uh through through um versus a, a single air handler um and uh, which frees up a lot of space um in the air handler so uh, yeah. The the um, the coils um, were really the last thing piped, and um, and then um, the uh, uh, inverters were uh, reprogrammed. Uh, the operating hertz for this twenty thousand cf unit was um, uh, eighty nine hertz, um, and um, you know the uh, the the motors come pre wired, so it really shortens the time to uh, get it up to speed and. And uh, uh, again, uh, Sunday noon, uh, uh, Brian Miller here uh, shown uh, did a, uh, a wonderful job reprogramming, making the, the changes on the building automation system and allowing them to make the uh, hospital operational uh, Monday, a day earlier than anticipated. Cool. So, uh, I'm sure they like that. Oh, yeah. It, it, and this was the first time these people did the retrofit. I mean, the contractor, the engineer, this is their first time and everything went, you know, better than anticipated. And so now with that practice, they, they're able to make retrofits um, all over. Now, you know, in that particular installation, um, there were just kind of egg, 
egg crate screens on the inlet of of those units. Uh, you know, and originally when when fan arrays were, were started, you know, the egg crates kind of screens helped straighten the air, make it uh, more laminar, um, and, which reduced turbulence and sound. Um, and but you know, if one fan was to go down, uh, you know, uh, myth number four talks to uh, you know does an air short circuit through the fan that's off. And let's talk uh, to that a bit. And, and the answer is yes. You know, if you don't have a, a way of uh, mitigating that, uh, if one motor was to shut off, you know, in this uh, 15 fan array, 60,000 CFM, you know, we, we did tests back in um, the early 2000s of, uh, well, how much does recirculate? We came up with, you know, a little under 7% of the airflow um, would, would recirculate. And so, you know, that in this instance, that's you know around 4,000 CFM. Now, um, you know that's if a fan goes down, and some people goes, well, that's not good, and and it depends on your perspective. You know, <laughs> you still have 14 fans running, and hopefully you're you're meeting uh, the occupied. Uh, comfort uh, that is needed. Um, and it also gives you time to, once you're notified that, you know, there's a fan down, um, you could do a planned um, uh, maintenance on it versus just it happening and everything's down and you get the nasty phone calls uh, that uh, uh, we're in trouble. Uh, mm-hmm. So you not only lose, you know, the, uh, the 7% uh, recirculation, but, but also you lost the airflow of that fan, which, you know, in this case is around 4,000. So it, it can still limp along fairly well. And with a good control system, you know, what it will sense that loss in airflow and it will naturally speed up uh, the other fans, um, which in this instance, each fan would have to, you know, give out a, an, an additional 500 uh, CFM and, and with a, a, a few uh, a half a horsepower increase to uh, compensate for that loss uh, until uh, maintenance can be done. Uh, you know, oftentimes um, uh, you can you can put a plate on the the fan affected to close it off uh, to to continue with the others, speed them up, and still achieve the the whole airflow. Now we're going to talk to a different type of inlet damper uh, that Tony is showing here that um, has a different style of inlet damper that uh, allows for a natural uh, close-off. And with that, uh, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Mike Parker. Thanks, Bruce. Tony, go ahead and start that video. We're going to go ahead and start out with a short video here on backdraft dampers. So first off, backdraft dampers are are often overlooked in fan ray applications. The fan wall shown here was provided with backdraft dampers. So with backdraft dampers, they're critical for preventing recirculation of system air in failed fans. There are also requirements when controlling fans where individual fans may be disabled at lower flow rates to improve the system efficiency. So we wanna make sure that in most applications, if not all applications, we do have something to control that, control that air. So a number of manufacturers out there, AHU manufacturers, they use conventional horizontal bladed dampers which are designed for ducted inlet and ducted outlet applications. That's a problem. The problem with these dampers is that it can impose significant system effect to the performance of the fans as well as significant pressure drop across those dampers. Another issue you have with them is that they're heavy and difficult for the air to open, which can really negatively impact the airflow and or even the, the energy consumption itself. What that means is it takes additional energy to, to achieve the required airflow. They can also add noise to the system because of how the air actually flows over the blades. Another issue that you can have with them is that they typically have linkages that can bind or fail. 
So you have to be careful with that as well. And, and they can be and generally are noisy. So the solution that uh, some manufacturers, i.e. Nortec has come up with, is a backdraft damper designed to use in conjunction with a fan similar to what is shown here. So you notice that these are vertical blade dampers. They're also installed on the inlet of the fan and there are an aerodynamic design, which really helps with that near system effect on the fan. Also, the efficiency is improved on these because of the unhindered positioning of the, of the blades as the pair flows over them. So for, what I mean by that is there are no linkages on the blades, so the airflow follows respective to the position of those blades uh, to the inlet cone. This type of damper also has an extremely low air leakage rate when closed. And the other real positive out of this is that it impacts the acoustics in a positive way because the blades move independent of one another. That is, they're, they're not linked together as I mentioned earlier. Tony, let's go ahead and jump into the next, oh, did you have a question here? Well, we had some questions regarding the dampers yeah. while we're on this, and we, yeah, by go. the way, we have a ton of great questions, and we'll we'll get to them um, at at the end. I was just gonna um, actually, you just kind of did address this question by Jennifer. Does it make sense to control the back daft dampers, control an open close status? I know, and I know some people do that. Maybe there's some scenarios where that's okay. No, and it really doesn't because what you want to be careful there is if you lose a fan then something has to control there and say, hey, I've lost the fan to close that damper. Also, you have to have something along the lines of uh, actuators. Uh, it's gotta have some, some type of control wiring that's gonna take the, uh, that's actually gonna control that damper. So with a, with a vertical type damper that you see here, what's gonna happen is as that fan stops, you're gonna have the other fans that are gonna to continue to pressurize the plenum on the downstream side, and it will then close those dampers to go ahead and cut off the leakage and the recirculation of air. So it really is best approach is to go with something that is not controlled by a control system or whatever. Okay, thanks Mike. And, you know, and the, the pressure drop through those blade dampers can be quite significant. Uh, you know, which which kind of defeats, you know, the, the purpose of fan arrays is to lower the system effect. Um, you know, it can be a half yeah. inch, inch, and, and even greater uh, that the fan has to work against. If you yeah, use so, it. so great, great point, Bruce. What really happens there is if, if you have a, say, a horizontal damper that has linkages on it, and if you think about it, those dampers are all going to be in the same position as they go from closed through open. So those dampers that are on the on the very top or on the very bottom of that inlet cone, they're gonna have an impact of creating additional static or higher static, as well as they're gonna create additional noise because of how that air flows over that damper. What you'll notice here is the dampers that you're looking at is that since they are not linked together, they, they actually help with the airflow. So the dampers that are on the very left or the blades are on the very left side and the blades are on the very right side, what's gonna happen there is that they're gonna follow the airflow. So they're not gonna cause the kind of resistance to the airflow that you would have with a horizontal damper. Gotcha. So if you're gonna use backdraft dampers, just be careful of the pressure drop, the mechanics yes. and how they're, how yes. they're working. That's the message there. Okay. Absolutely. And when doing selections, it should be noted that that uh, somebody needs to take into account what that effect is going to be because it can affect, can and will affect what the selection is for the motor horsepowers. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Okay, we'll move on to the case study here and then we will get to all of your questions, I promise. And please keep them coming. We got some really good ones here. So um, we'll get to that. So Mike, yeah. you want to talk about this Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte? 
Yeah, so in your backyard. Uh, so it is the Carolinas Medical Center. It's the, from what I understand, it's the flagship hospital for Carolinas healthcare system, which happens to be one of the nation's largest healthcare organizations. So the issue here is the facility had a history of fan failures on numerous occasions, leading to building discomfort for several days while the fans were repaired, which is a which for a healthcare facility is really unacceptable. The reason for this is if you look in the left hand side here. These units were served by, or there are two, two units that serve the building, a couple of 62,000 CFM penthouse air handlers. Each of them has a single, had a single vein axial fan on the supply and a single vein axial fan on the return, which was a somewhat of a common approach to system design in earlier decades. So what, what happened was CMC and Lincoln Harris, their property manager, they realized that this configuration was causing CMC grief over the years. And when any of the fans went down, it wasn't just a one-day fix. It created scheduling problems. They had to reschedule surgery uh, because of the unacceptable building climate conditions and so forth. So another problem they had was that because of the nature of having to run one or running all the fans at all times and being in a constant volume type of configuration, they had extremely high electric energy cost overall. And that even occurred during light building load use as well as moderate outdoor temperatures when they weren't able to vary the speed of the fan. Additionally, one of the other things that they had was when this, when this job was first designed, it was designed for 124,000 total CFM. And as things changed in the building, they found that that total CFM was not enough to satisfy the building at uh, peak load condition. And on top of that, those fans are pretty darn noisy. So CMC started to look at this with Lincoln Harris uh, helped to solve the problem. They developed a scope of work, which was gonna be to replace the heart of the system, that being the fans with better fan technology, as well as better fan control to save facility energy costs and improve reliability and serviceability, as well as reducing the sound levels. So the design that they decided on was based on four fan wall arrays consisting of the modular fan cubes together with Mark had mentioned earlier, as well as Bruce, a system optimization controls package for controlling the fans to maximize the fan efficiency. So they performed this, uh, this installation during the winter months, January, February, when it was practical to take old fans out of service at, at a time. So what they did was they went with the first unit, they moved the fans off to the side, motors off to the side on that first unit, so they could still scavenge parts uh, to use on the vein axial fans that were still in operation on the other unit. Now, since this was a fan wall array, they had the individual factory built cubes, which allowed them to be quickly assembled into the arrays and connected to power, system control, so forth, to minimize the amount of downtime to the facility and control costs. Much like Mark talked about earlier, I believe it was Mark that talked about that earlier, having something that you could change out in a short amount of time. So the design on this one, they actually went with 15 cubes, which were five by three, and then another, uh, that was on the supply as well as 12 cubes four by three on the return side. Uh, the cubes themselves were 34 by 38 inches, which in a typical application would allow you to get through doorways fairly easily. Now, since these were on the roof, they made the decision to go ahead and lift the cubes up on the roof with a crane as opposed to going through the freight elevator, which they just could have easily done that as well. So this project has really represented a transformation, transformation to new technologies for CMC. Obviously, going to the single, uh, going from single van axial fans to fan wall was the first step. They also decided uh, to use system optimization controls, and by that, they wanted to be able to control the fans 
at their peak efficiencies as the system unloads and that way gaining whatever type of energy savings they could. So control of the fans is accomplished by varying the speed of the fans and turning off fans when not needed, which leaves the remaining fans operating near the peak efficiencies. To make this happen, they had to put VFDs on each of the motors so that as they drop a fan, the other fans can speed up to overcome the loss in the airflow. So this results in the optimum number of fans operating at all times at optimum speeds for, op, uh, for all load operating requirements. So as we talked about in a previous slide, the backdraft dampers, they made sure to include the backdraft dampers because that was integral to how they were gonna control things. Being able to drop off a fan and go ahead and picking it up with the other fans and then dropping those off with the variable speed drives allowed them to be most efficient as far as how they were operating this system. So one thing to note here is that CMC did decide to utilize that type of backdraft damper since they actually have those on some of their other buildings. So one of the goals was to improve reliability. The redundancy provided by the multiple fan cubes has meant that the system is very reliable. If they lose a fan, they don't have to worry because of the controls are going to rebalance the system and it's going to pick up uh, what they lost with the remaining fans that are out there. So the redundancy that CMC now has is incredibly important because they no longer have to worry about an unexpected failure causing a loss of service. So we talked about energy for a moment before. Energy was one of the primary driving factors on this project. Since the fans can now be modulated and taken offline to match the building air demand, considerable energy is saved. All told, Duke Energy, their power supplier, showed them that in the first year, they saved $103,000 in energy costs. So I mentioned earlier that the 124,000 CFM that they had problems really serving the building with what that unit was designed for. One of the benefits they were able to gain out of putting in fan mold in this unit was they were able to notch up that from 124,000 CFM up to 149,000 CFM, so a significant increase in overall CFM. And as we had talked about uh, throughout this presentation, acoustics was a bonus here. The fan walls are considerably quieter than the vein axial fans that they replaced. Matter of fact, they had a reduction that they measured at 15 dBA in the mechanical rooms and throughout other parts of the buildings, they had a number of employees that commented on just how much quieter this system is today. So really all in all, CMC, Harris, CMC and Lincoln Harris couldn't be happier with the decision they had to install the fan arrays in their critical air handling units. Yeah, it sounds like a great use of that technology, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah my guess is that uh, since they had so much success on it, that I'll just bet that uh, CMC has uh, continued to go down that path with future work that they have in the area. Awesome. Hey, let's, go and, let's go and jump into the next slide, okay, Tony? Yeah, we got, this is the, for those of you watching, thank you so much for for watching the show today. This is our last myth, so we'll do Q&A afterwards. So we have a bunch of great questions. Please put questions in there and thank you for watching. And, and by the way, if you like the job these guys are doing, please like the video, whether you're watching on LinkedIn or YouTube, we greatly appreciate it. Okay, myth number five, take it away. So we really touched on this throughout the presentation. Um, you saw it on a number of slides and or videos where fan wall cubes were being moved through, the, uh, through different doorways. There's a common myth out there, though, that you can't fit through a three-foot three doorway. Uh, so first of all, cubes can be designed and constructed so that they fit through that type of doorway. It's really up to a manufacturer to design the cubes to meet this or other criteria required for retrofit applications. 
The cube that you see here, it's less than three foot deep. Now, one thing to notice is it doesn't have backdraft dampers on it, but even after you put those backdraft dampers on it, it would still be less than three foot, uh, three foot deep. Tony, if you will, let's go ahead and flip on over to the next slide. It's gonna be a video. So this is gonna be a fan wall retrofit uh, demonstration. Uh, if you can go ahead and start it when you have a moment there. So this video is of the installation of a knockdown fan wall array, which ta really takes fan wall installation to another level. By that, the majority of fan retrofits using fan wall arrays only require fully assembled cubes fit through a three-foot door. Though there can be instances sometimes when you have minimum access restriction, which is smaller than the cube required and creates choke points that need to be addressed. So the solution here is really a knockdown fan wall cube that provides an easy solution with minimal impact on the tight retrofit schedules. So for this type of application, the fan wall cubes are shipped to the job site unassembled and we create them in a package. They come with all the mechanical components, uh, all the installation instructions, everything that is really needed to put the fan, fan uh, cubes together so that they can be placed in the air handling unit. So what this allows is for each component to be moved past the access, check, the access choke point to the assembly area in the mechanical room or in the unit. So individual cubes can be assembled just outside the unit or if the doors or the access into the air handling unit is, they can move moved into the air handling unit and built there. So one of the great things about this is it's very, very simple to, assemb to assemble these cubes. All you need is a cordless drill, some various bits, a wrench, caulking, and a tape measure. That's it. So depending on the size of the fan cubes, the configuration can only, it may only take two to three individuals to, to lift these uh, cubes into place and get them into the final location. So for this particular application, which is actually at our plant over in Tualatin, we retrofitted eight cubes into the unit. Two individuals completed the assembly process. So the assembly of the fan wall is straightforward. As you can notice here, there's a label on the fan cube so that you know exactly where to put it. The cubes are moved into place and then bolted to the adjacent cubes and into the unit floor. The final step that they have to go through is uh, just supplying the electrical or uh, factory, installing the factory supplied electrical chase for routing the controls of power wiring back to the each cube to the control panel. So back to that uh, 30 minutes uh, typically taken to put a cube together. For this particular fan wall retrofit, it took them about six and a half hours to complete it. So it's pretty easy to envision that a knockdown fan wall retrofit can be accomplished over a weekend from demo of the existing fans to full startup of the new fan wall arrays. Now, obviously, time can be saved if the fully assembled cubes can be brought into the unit. So, Tony, I'm um, not sure if we have any questions here we want to take a peek at. Um, what do we got there? Awesome. No, that's that's perfect. We do have some questions. Um, so the choke point, I think, on that breakdown was 22 inches. Is that, did you, I don't know if you talked about that, Mike. Um, yeah, so so really what the, what was it showing on this particular one is that um, they did a couple of things on this one. They wanted to be able to show that, uh, how that works with the knockdown fan wall by saying that we have a door here that we cannot get the entire cube through. So right. what we'll do is we'll bring the cube in into pieces and we'll go ahead and assemble it in the air handling unit. And that's one of the neat things is about this. You don't have to take the cube, cube apart when it gets out there. It can be shipped out there in a box so that you have the individual pieces. Uh, and again, it's a it's a very simple process for somebody to put it together right there in the air in the air handling unit. Yeah, it looks like it. And I, you know, I think oftentimes in retrofit applications, the air handlers are in the 
in the worst possible place to get to. I mean, that certainly was the case at uh, in uh, South Dakota. Um, it, you know, there there was only a hallway um, really to get to the mechanical equipment room, and so uh, fan arrays really do allow you to uh, uh, get to the impossible places and and mm-hmm. and upgrade both acoustics sound and you know uh, one thing I don't think we've touched on yet is. Uh, you know, oftentimes, I mean, you know, uh, these fan arrays do not do not require isolation spring. You, In everything you've seen today, there's no spring isolation in it because not only do you get the acoustic benefit, but they're, they're really almost vibration-free, um, uh, which is a savings, you know, to the, to, to the building owner or engineer. Yeah, so Absolutely. that's a great point that Bruce brings up mm-hmm. and that with the spring isolation, you're gonna have the torquing of the fan stud that occurs. You're gonna feel some type of vibration in the air handling unit. And depending on where that air handling unit is installed, you can easily feel that back into the building, into the ductwork, the building and those kind of things. So you do have to be careful with that for sure. Absolutely. Well, guys, we, we just went over noon just for a few minutes here. So let me give everybody the email address to get the PDH credits in case they have to go. Please stick around, ask questions. Um, please like the video before you go if you have to go. Uh, we got a ton of good questions here. So if you need a PDH certificate um, or and or want a copy of the case studies, just email me, tmormino at insightusa.com. And before you go, also, please connect with us so you could rewatch this video anytime on our YouTube channel and you can get the QR code there. Let me get this uh, uh, caption out of the way here in case it interferes. And go check that out anytime. All of our videos live on our YouTube channel, Insight Partners HVAC TV. We also have a podcast, which we turn all of these shows into a podcast. So you can check it out there. You get the audio version and please connect with us on LinkedIn. And then I'm going to give you the old, but wait, there's more, but wait, there's more. Okay. So um, if you need help with your custom spec, so a few questions uh, to ask yourself. Uh, When was the last time? Your custom air handling unit specification was updated. Hmm. Is your spec current with the latest industry advancements? So if you need us to, we'll be glad to come by and review your specification either in person or you can email me and we'll set up a review online. I'll give you a little hint. If your custom spec still calls for inlet guide vanes as an option, maybe it's time to have someone look at it. Uh I'm just saying. (laughs) I haven't seen one of those in a long time. And you've been around a while if you know what those are. Um, Anyway, so we offer that as a free service. Uh, Please take advantage of that. If you'd like us to, we'll come by either in person if you're in our area or we'll do it online. And uh, just email me there, tmormino at insightusa.com. Okay, so that kind of ends our um, PDH portion. I would like to spend just a second going through the final benefits. I didn't really get time to summarize that. We'll do that real quick. And if anybody wants a PDF of these benefits, like a quick referral sheet, um, I'll be glad to email that to them as well. So uh, some of the things we talked about, smaller footprint, saves real estate, multiple fans, adds reliability, low frequency sound reduction, Uh, We did talk about that, so that's a good thing. Smaller motors and air wheels, easier for retrofits. Higher efficiency fan wheels means energy savings, direct drive, no belts for maintenance. Creates the piston of air. We talked about the benefits and why that's important. Some of the collateral savings for fan arrays, uh, you get the um, removal or the reduction of the cost of downtime, saving in real estate, 
space, uh, cost avoidance of sound attenuation and spring isolation, energy savings from less junk in the trunk. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't read some of these yet. It's pretty funny. Um, Cost savings from reduced electrical service, cost savings to smaller backup generator. That's something I didn't think of. Cost avoidance of belt and drive maintenance, cost avoidance on spare parts with common motors, cost savings from increased filter life and better coil effectiveness, cost avoidance in future maintenance with smaller fans and motors, cost savings from smaller and fewer fans uh, sections to rig, and cost savings from speed of retrofits. Okay, so if you have a question, put it in the chat and I will go. Um, Any questions or any comments from the panel, uh, please just unmute and speak up. I will go through here and try to pick out some uh, questions here. We talked about that. Okay, so here's a question from Oliver. I think this is where we left off on the questions. With relatively small motors and minimal vibrations, and then he's got in brackets, wheels slash impellers balanced by suppliers, did you consider C-face mounting the motors to reduce the footprint of the blower wall? Not uh, sure what that yeah. he's asking, I'm not, but I'm not sure what the seat face mounting is. Okay, well, if Oliver, if you're still there, please send us a little clarification on that. We'll be glad to try and answer. Our anti here's another question: Our anti-rotation devices uh, to be used on the fans that are not functional or on standby status. That's a good question. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot of different options um, to determine if a fan is active. We don't typically use rotation uh, detectors, um, but that can be done with current switches. Um, We also typically provide auxiliary contacts um, as well in our control panels. But there's a a lot of different ways um, control in the the controls that you can do that. I think what also, if there's a backdraft damper, there's not going to be air that's pushing the fan and spinning it, right? That's correct. Is that correct? correct. And is that what they're asking there is there's just something to keep it from just freely spinning if it's not on. Um, Okay. So if there's backdraft dampers, that's not a problem. Let's look at the BQ style. What factors determine whether you use? What factors determine whether you'd use the unhoused plenum fans versus the housed cube style plenum fans? Yeah, so for, you know, we typically are using our fan arrays. We're going to have the housing. Um, it's what we we have as our, what we call a co-planter silencer, and that has several benefits. It reduces um, noise coming off the discharge side of the fan as, as an attenuation device, um, and then also helps cool uh, the motors as well as keeps the fans from fighting each other for air. Um, you know, other manufacturers may have different different reasons for providing those or not okay thank you let's see here okay trevor wolf is asking controls of the fans have been mentioned a few times in regards to a single fan failing does the nortec fan array have a package controller that would communicate with the building control system so yes nortec does that's our system optimization controls um, there's a number of things that we can do there. Uh, whenever that fan does go out, uh, controls can be set up so that, that Mark talked about this earlier. Say you have a, an N plus one or N plus two, so you're sizing the fan wall. Should you lose a fan, 
and all of a sudden the other pants can pick up the slack for what for what you just lost. Okay, so that's a, a good yes answer. Sounds like okay. Uh, Jennifer says, "Got to run. Hope to catch you in the next one." Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, Dave Recca, outstanding topic and presentation. Big thanks. Yes, thank you, Nortech folks, for being here. You guys did a great job. Um, let's see here. There's some back and forth discussions on that. Okay, it's a good question. I'm sure you guys have gotten this several times. Chilton Stewart is asking, are VFDs always paired one-to-one -one with the motors? Are there instances where you would have multiple motors connected to one VFD? Yeah, so the answer is yes. Um, again, we have multiple control options. Um, you can use you can use one drive to you know push the entire array or you can use one drive per fan or a combination of two drives for array for instance if you want half the fans on one drive half the other there's also other packages um you can buy a drive with a 60 hertz bypass if, if you were to lose the you lose a drive it could go across the line to provide power um also there is redundant packages where you have one drive running the entire array. If that drive fails, it automatically switches over to a standby drive um, also. So so the answer is yes, and there's multiple different options depending on what, what your design requirements are. Yeah, if you it's really had a... Customer, it's really what the customer desires as well. What are they, you know, what is the operation? What are they doing with the facility mm -hmm. that's going to require certain types of control on it? So to Mark's point, uh, single drive, redundant drive, or even a multi-drive where you have one drive on each of the fans. So it really comes down to what the customer is trying to accomplish. If you had a nine fan array, would there be a typical arrangement you would you would say would be on over half of them, or is it all it all just really depends? It really just depends. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, Lloyd uh, Brucher, uh, can you explain the difference between redundancy and reliability and justify how having more points of failure isn't a risk? Good question. Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so, you know, the fan wall system is going to have built-in redundancy. You got multiple fans. So, whereas if you had versus a single fan, if you did have a motor or drive failure, you know, you lose everything. So, um, that the system itself is inherently builds in some redundancy. Um, so, there are multiple. Obviously, you have more more fans, more motors, and then depending on how you're controlling them, there's there's different options there. So, you know, really the way to look at it is, you know, these fans and motors, the bearing life um, and, and, and technology exceeds that of single fans, um, spe specifically compared to, you know, larger steel wheels um, and even larger, you know, plenum and DWDI fans. Um, you don't have bearings and shivs and belts and, and those kinds of maintenance. So if you look at it just apples to apples, there's less maintenance, they're more reliable. Um, and then building in that redundancy with your mechanical system as well as electrical system, it allows you to um, overcome any kind of single point failure, you know, within your design typically. And again, that can be done in multiple different ways as we've discussed. Okay, thank you. I know this guy, Burgess Harris. If there, is there no spring isolation for all the fans or, Okay, so for all fan arrays, do all fan arrays have no spring isolation? I think that's what he's asking, or is that just unique to Nortex fan walls? So, so it really is unique to Nortex fan walls. So we've done a lot of testing to understand whether or not we needed to have the vibration isolation. 
And that really goes back to how we actually dynamically balance the systems. So we go to a level that most manufacturers do not. Uh, there's these BV2s, which is typical HVAC versus BV5s, which you're going to find in, say, Intel work in a clean room where they have to have some very close tolerances. So we made the decision a number of years ago to go ahead and uh, go without the spring vibration isolation. Now, what you also find is that as you go down that path, it also allows you to have closer tolerances between the fan itself and the inlet cone. Whereas if you have the spring isolation, all of a sudden you bring in another component of failure, as well as that, that uh, tolerance that you have between those, between the inlet cone and the fan wheel, you have to have a little bit more of a gap there so that you can allow for the torquing of the motor on those, uh, on those vibration isolators. Okay. Thank you. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, the, one of the origins of fan arrays, it came from the critical application semiconductor type of business where they needed vibration-free uh, performance. And, uh, you know, the, the feature of vibration was often overlooked initially uh, in the application of fan arrays to the commercial uh, market. But, uh, you know, people are feeling, you know, more comfortable in uh, – uh, not putting spring isolation. I mean, you really, you have to run the calculations, but uh, it, it can be significant savings um, in not only in height and in, in maintenance um, by not having a spring or rubber isolation. Yeah, and it really comes back to how you dynamically balance these fans. Yes. Uh, the analogy I like to use is that a lot of the fans in the industry today, they're balanced very similar to the way you would balance the wheels on your on your personal automobile. And I kind of look at it, whenever you get into these balancings where you're not using a spring isolation, that's kind of like how they would balance the wheels and tires for an F1 racing car. Uh, much more critical than it is with that, that everyday use vehicle, right? Good point. Yeah, good point for sure. Okay, uh, moving right along here, and thank you all for the questions. Uh, they still keep coming in, so that's great. Um, Alan Messer says, thank you for, uh, for the presentation. You're welcome, Alan. Giatano, thank you, great presentation. You're welcome. Uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. Thank you all so much for the thank yous. Let's see here. Uh, here's a question from Timothy Murray. Are there individual electrical disconnects in order to change out the unit? I'm assuming he means the motor or would you have to specify them in the scope? Great question. Yeah, great or question. Maybe he did mean the unit, I'm not sure. We can answer it both ways. <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, I would say, um, I would always call that out in the scope, whatever that requirement is. And again, some of that goes back to code requirements. Typically you're gonna have a lockout tag out requirement for any kind of electrical service um, where you're gonna wanna shut that entire unit down typically. Um, you know, in a typical application, we're gonna have some type of motor overload protection whether we have a drive, um, single drive or multiple drive, and those can be locked out. Um, and then have, have we can add disconnects. There's a lot of different options. So I guess to answer your question is I would always call out whatever that electrical scope requirement is. Okay, thank you. Uh, Kevin uh, Gensch, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, is asking about the cube style. I think we already answered this question, but uh, most of the photos we've shown are... Um, of the Nortec product with a coplanar silencer. So it looks like a box around the, the fan. Yeah. Some some fan arrays have the open. Uh, Hi, Tony. 
So yeah. I see a lot of I see a lot of conversation around ECM motors versus a traditional AC motor with a drive. What, uh, Mark and guys, what, what's your perspective on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So EC, ha- you know, there there's some benefits and and negatives to EC motors. One thing right now is they're difficult to get with supply chain issues. So EC motors, we're seeing, um, you know, lead times that extend beyond a year. You know, currently, um, we do offer an ECM motor application in our in our fan array system, uh, but haven't seen very many lately, just due to supply chain issues. Uh, but they have their place. Typically, a lower um, static pressure requirements. Um, you know, we have some limitations on EC motor sizes, um, whereas our induction motors. Um, you know, we, we can do units up to 10, 11 inches in total static pressure. Typically, EC applications are going to be, you know, under five inches of total. So a lot of it depends on your design. Um, but we certainly, um, you know, in the data center market, have seen a lot of ECMI motors and then lower static applications. Um, so they do have their place and they have a benefit. Um, they're good with turndown conditions. You can keep a little bit better efficiency versus induction. Um, and then also uh, you don't have to have a separate VFD. The control is in the motor. Um, and we do have control options with, with those packages as well. Um, so, you know, there's a place for ECM. We, we see it in the market as well. It's another good product um, as long as we can get them. So. so if you're specking a job that's three years out, maybe it's a good. Yeah, maybe three years out, there's a chance. Um, <laughs> like I said, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been interesting with the lead times. Awesome. Great. Well, if you're still watching, thank you for sticking around. If you have any further questions or need someone to review your spec, please shoot me an email, tmormino at insightusa.com. I'll put that up one last time here. And, um, you know, check us out on YouTube, check us out on our podcast and uh, LinkedIn here, connect with us. And I want to say thank you again to our guests um, with Nortech, Bruce Anderson, Mike Parker, and Mark Brady, and of course, uh, Mark Murray being here, president of Insight Partners. So uh, it's been our pleasure to present this to you. And I'm going to go ahead and end the feed here. If you guys, gentlemen, could stick around here for a little recap. But thank you so much for those who are watching today. And and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. So thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. Yep. Thanks, Tony. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Tony. Thanks, Thanks everyone you guys. for attending. So as we close this podcast, I just want to give a huge shout out to the people that take the time to leave reviews of this podcast on Apple and Spotify and all the other platforms. It just means the world to me that you take that extra 13 to 95 seconds to show your appreciation and also give context to the people as to why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much. I hope to catch you on the next one. And thanks so much for listening.